The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. New users get a sign-in bonus of up to sign-up bonus of up to one thousand dollars by using our code RTRS and the Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process. On today's show, Joel Embiid is injured and will be reevaluated in two weeks. The Sixers beat the phony regular season shitbag Celtics. Uh, trade winds are blowing. Brett Brown once again addresses Ben Simmons not shooting threes. And we have the band for all but one day, supreme asshole, Andrew Sharp on the pod. Is that Sharp right there? Am I on? Oh, yeah. Do you hear me? I do. Oh, do you hear him, Mike? I don't. Must be something in my computer that knows that I shouldn't fucking talk to him. Oh, there he is. (laughs) Oh, I got him now. Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, we're just doing the intro here, so just hang out. We're, I'm going to say something heartwarming, and then we're going to start. Perfect. Fucking sharp interrupts my intro. Um, <laughs> before we get going, we mentioned before um, the the Australian brush fires are like raging pretty terribly. Five hundred million animals killed. Uh, I think twenty people so far. Homes ruined. Uh, you barely see it on the news here because all we cover is fucking hard, horrible stuff. Um, please donate if you can to help uh, the Australian people, the Australian wildlife. If you go to this post on whatever podcast app you listen on, you can uh, hit any of the links or this post on com. Aussie Red Cross Wires um, or Wildlife Victoria. Aussie Red Cross for people, Wires or Wildlife Victoria for the animals. Uh, terrible stuff going on. We have a ton of Ricky listeners in Australia. I saw some pictures um, from uh, from one of our listeners telling me about the air quality there even if the um even if the fire doesn't hit you 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 can't breathe like it it looks like there's fog there that's how thick the smoke is it's terrible so uh best wishes to all of our friends in australia without any further ado amos the chef and that fucking piece of shit andrew sharp Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who I think would like to bask in the glow of this wind before we let our guests speak at all. That is Mike Levin. Ah, good to be here after a win. 3-0 and against the Celtics, clinching the season series. Uh, we'll see about a tiebreaker down the road. I got to say, I wasn't optimistic, and I was ready to come on here and have a frank discussion about how I wasn't optimistic and maybe be the negative one of the three of us um, to really lean into it. But then, fuck that. That's out the window. 
No, thank well, you. Well, wait a minute. What the fuck am I supposed to do if you are the negative one? I, I, I can whip out some negativity from time to time, and I think that I uh, should be allowed to. And then I, can, I should be allowed to immediately forget that after a, even a decent stretch, even a somewhat non-horrible stretch. Well, I can okay. and, and sort of revoke anything that I just said. If you want to hear something amazing, I will say this is an unnamed person that works in my company. Uh, <clears throat> not a Philadelphia person, but an unnamed person that works in my company that is a Celtics fan. Um, uh, two best teams are the Bucks and the Healthy Sixers. I think in Indi- Indiana will be a bigger factor than Miami and the Celtics. But here's the best part. I think Ainge needs to start unpacking this roster now. I would give up Brown and picks for Drummond. So Ooh. that's where that's where they sit. That's a mistake. How, Sharp, <laughs> what, how would you feel if we just made you sit there the entire podcast and you never got to talk? <laughs> to be honest with you, that's sort of what I was expecting here. Like this feels like a long con where you guys are going to cut my mic or delete the audio <laughs> and just waste an hour of my time on a Thursday. <laughs> and I wouldn't be that surprised. I wouldn't blame you. The last time you and I talked about potentially going on this podcast was like four years ago, I was in LA hanging out at your apartment and I was like, yeah, you know, at some point it would be fun to like jump on the Ricky and go back and forth with you for 30, 40 minutes. And you looked me dead in the eye and were like, that will never happen. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know, this is a big day for me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I haven't talked to you in a while. I miss you, man. I I know, I talk to Spike almost every day at this point. That's weird, that's weird to me. It, that I'm to me sure. is very weird to hear. Well, sure. I think I think I think Sharp and I and you I think Mike you noticed this early on because I started my rivalry with Sharp before I had ever talked to him or knew him and I didn't even know that you guys were friends or he was your roommate or anything. Um, and I think you noticed early on that we had very s- similar feelings about similar things. And I think I think Sharp and I have found a kinship in that. Yeah, there's like an every man's dickhead to both of you guys. <laughs> and, and like a like frustratingly right at times, but then like so obviously wrong at other times. It's a weird, there's there's a similarity there that, that deeply upsets me. Yeah, well, what I enjoy about it is that you find us both equally unbearable, but can't quit either one of us. I guess so. that's true. I guess and that's yeah. true. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's great to reconnect with you. I mean, you're like Malibu Mike these days <laughs> on the West Coast. I talk yes. to you once every three months, and I, I do want to know, like, what are your real feelings on the Sixers, so we can get into it later in the podcast. Well, I well, mean, this, this is a, a Sixers podcast, it, so yeah, we, there's no, there's yeah, no we range, can get into it now, anything. almost, we, if we wanted we to. We certainly could, but here's the thing, okay, because I listen to almost every show you put out, and I, I don't always feel like Mike is being, like, 100% honest with how he feels. <laughs> He's a little bit diplomatic at times, and so, like, I want to dig into some of the big-picture questions. Well, I think I think in order to fully get my honest opinion about the Sixers, you have to start doing the podcast during the game when I am, like, sprawled out on the ground, <laughs> thrashing in different ways. Alyssa's had to give me a couple talking tos. She's like, if eventually someday we have children, like, this has to be, like, cleaned up a little. This is not okay. Because, like, Alyssa's well, unreasonable as a sports fan also. and But, like, she's like, you got to bring it down a little. And I fully agree. But for some reason, this team in particular, this version of the Sixers team, is just uh, infuriating in so many ways and special in so many ways. Um, I watched the the. See, you my, have my, to add the special in. Well, because they are, because they yeah. just beat the Celtics. They're three and zero against the Celtics. Yeah. When's the last time that happened? In previous years, couldn't beat the Celtics at all. 
and was beating up on everybody else. And it was like, oh, you can't get past Boston, can't get past Boston. And now here we are, 3-0. There you go. I was watching the Celtics tonight, and I was like, you know, this team just isn't that good, the Celtics, that is. Because, like, Jason Tatum is missing 18-footer after 18-footer. They all look so small compared to everyone on the Sixers. So I guess I was I was hating on the Celtics more than I was crediting the Sixers. But if you want to go glass half full with it, I respect that too. Well, I, I would say that the one thing that I have taken from the three um, the three Sixers Celtics games is that the Sixers do force the Celtics to settle for shots a lot. Yeah. yeah, and like and I notice it against them more than all game against them more than just about any team. And they were hitting a lot of shots early, but it didn't seem to me like they were getting whatever they wanted. They just seemed like they were hitting threes. So, um, and, you know, Mike, to your point earlier, you're usually the positive one and I'm the negative one, but after losses, you are like bad losses. <laughs> yeah. You are definitely the negative one. Yeah. Like you, you are sometimes... You've you've said I'm not doing the podcast tonight sure. because they lost or ever so, again. Right, 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 right. Well, I appreciate Mike turns into like an angry twelve year old after a bad loss, <laughs> and it's it's perfectly on brand with everything else he is on this podcast. And so I, I I appreciate the consistency. And this is why, for my health, the process Sixers were so nice in that I was fine with the loss, fine yeah, with them losing, thinking big picture. Occasionally had outbursts. But for the most part, I think I was the best version of myself then, and I think the most annoying version of myself to Sharp when he had to, had to live <laughs> with me and hear all the arguments. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a good place to start because I was actually thinking about this a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you've watched much Wizards basketball this year, but I have a lot of Ish Smith in my life, Uh huh. and I have Pachechniks. I, I don't even know how to say that guy's name. You don't need to. But yeah, was, neither do we. I was watching Ish run a pick and roll with Pachechniks, and I was staring at my television <laughs> being like, what the fuck happened? How did this happen so quickly? How is this my team now? And then I was looking up and down the roster, and it's like Isaac Bonga, Rui, a couple guys you guys have probably never heard of before. And so I am basically rooting for my version of the Process Sixers at this point. And you guys are sort of, you could make the argument that you're rooting for a version of the Wizards in that the team is built around two stars who aren't quite good enough and they're kind of a fake contender. There it is. Wow. There it is. It Andrew just, Sharp has arrived. It's flipped. It's flipped. And it's kind of yeah. poetic. Um. So before we get into this, and, and like we have a, a lot to talk about, I want to get it off the top so we do plug your stupid shit. Um, Sharp disappears uh, off the internet mm -hmm. after Sports Illustrated gets rid of three quarters of their staff. He leaves his podcast, the Open Floor Podcast, uh, leaving Ben Golliver and an army of Sports Illustrated writers that think no differently than Ben Golliver. It, <laughs> it is just... and. I, I remember when you started Open Floor, I texted you, I think, after the second episode, and I said, there is no way this is going to work. I said, that guy doesn't get it. He's never going to get it. Yep. Um, but you guys did evolve into an odd, a, a good odd couple. And I would say, I would tell people that it, it was the only podcast that I listened to 
just about every episode of. There's not another podcast. So, but then it turns into this, and no offense to the other writers or Ben, but I sat through one with him and Rob Mahoney, and I just wanted to just fucking tear <laughs> my intestines out. It was just fucking terrible. Um, but now you're back, uh, and you have a new podcast. It's called Greatest of All Talk, which is a shitty name, yeah. uh, GOAT. And you're fucking charging people for it, <laughs> which is just the most disrespectful uh, thing I've ever heard. But I, I do, I guess I have to, it's disrespectful, but I do have to respect it. Um, only four ninety nine a month. And it's, uh, f- what is it? You get five podcasts a month at least, right? Yeah. we're gonna That's nothing. Doing, no, we're doing two podcasts every week at this point. And so okay. it, uh, first of all, I want to say, Shout out to Rob Mahoney and Michael Pina because both of them are awesome. Ben is a little tough to, to handle sometimes, and I am very experienced at sort of like disagreeing with him but keeping it kind of entertaining. Uh, he could be a little domineering. But, um, but yes, we had a lot of fun on Open Floor. I vividly remember getting a text message from you. I think I was, I think I might have been driving to Philly at the time. And you texted me being like, this is just not going to work. And I was like, well, we're sort of pot committed at this point. And credit to Gallagher <laughs> because he got in on the bit. And um, yeah, I don't know how many of your listeners were actually fans of Open Floor with me and Gallagher. It can't be that big of a number. But if you were a fan of us and you want to keep listening, we would love your support. We started the podcast this week. Greatest of All Talk is a great name. And you can subscribe by going to my Twitter or to goat.supportingcast.fm. And yeah. Rolls uh, off the tongue. <laughs> we're going to have two episodes every week. It's already been a lot of fun. Um, it's good to be back. And so come check us out. Support independent media. You know, get into it. Hey, Andrew, whatever you do, don't get greatestofalltalk.com and just send people to that and redirect it to that site because that would be too easy for you. Wow. I, would, I would also like to thank you for... Uh, just months of asking me questions about um, the podcast business and then doing exactly what I said not to do. <laughs> Look, we went with our gut, man. You know, and That's it's fine. worked so far. I respect it. We, we, were, we were big supporters of uh, Godner when he decided to do it, and uh, I hope it works out. I do. I, I, this is the last time I will be nice, but I genuinely listened to every pod. I was glad I was back. I started listening to Joe Rogan. I was like, I had nothing. I, I can't listen to Bill Simmons anymore. I was like, I'll just listen to Joe Rogan. So I've been listening to that. So I'm glad you guys are back. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate it. For All right. Less sharp. Boston game. <laughs> All right. Boston game. Boston. Okay. Here, here's what we'll do. What Basically, what we're going to do is we're just going to let Sharp's just going to be third member of, of the pod for okay. this for this thing. So um, we'll do Boston game. And then we will do Embiid injury. And then, um, and then maybe some mailbag. And I, I did have some questions for Sharp, but uh, but Boston game. Okay, no Embiid. Last time there's no Embiid was the Pacers game, which was, I don't even think arguably the worst game of the year. I think it was definitely the worst game of the year. Um, and he started. Brett Brown started Kylo Quinn because the inexplicably because the Pacers start two bigs. Starts Mike Scott tonight. Um, your Mike, your I, I thought it would be Corkmaz or Thibel. I didn't think about Mike Scott. You? It seems like they just they like him as that as that sub in starter immediately if anybody goes down. So I wasn't surprised by that. And and I think he plays generally plays well when he gets the start. 
Um, he played all right tonight. It was a. It, he's been very on the colder side of hot and cold, and so it was good to see him like do a couple things. He still looks sort of disjointed, um, but had a few big plays, and obviously support Mike Scott uh, for the next how many m- more months does he have? Eight. Uh, one. What do you mean? Well, oh, you mean his one year of of the Ricky bump, the Ricky, the Ricky, oh. the Ricky pass, what's Daskus pass? Does Ricky immunity. does he still have the Ricky bump when he's on fucking Minnesota or whatever at the end of this or no? No, if that would that would expire if it. Uh, okay, if it all right, happen. okay. And it, it um, expi- and it's a forever Ricky pass if he wears uh, the right to Ricky Sanchez hockey jersey we gifted him in the playoffs at all, but preferably the finals, meaning we get to the finals. I would say if he's photographed in it, I'd say he gets the the pass forever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that hockey jersey is by far the coolest piece of merch you guys have ever had. Yeah, a bunch of people said that we should sell them, and then I told them that they cost us $275 to make. <laughs> and that, that then they weren't so eager yeah, for us to sell them, the hockey Calling them merch is, is a generous <laughs> yeah. description. Yeah, it was definitely a special moment um, and not merch. Oh, was it this one? I'm trying to think. Oh, Sharp. At, Mike, at, at one of our live shows, I was trying to get Sharp to show up as a surprise guest without telling you. And I can't remember if it's this one. I think it might have been this one. I can't mm-hmm. remember. But. No. Um, so, uh, so, you know, going into this, one thing that Brett Brown said was that, and I was relieved that he said it, actually. I think a lot of people were, were that somebody had asked him about adjustments um, with Joel being out. And he said that he was going to take a, a blowtorch to their defensive scheme because it didn't work, because it relied too much, basically, on Embiid being amazing. And I was curious to see how that worked out. And it wasn't I don't think to the second half of the game that I really saw Horford playing up closer on pick and rolls yeah. instead of dropping back. But I thought it was a positive once once it started happening. For sure. I, I think that should be... I think they should almost... And towards the end of the game, I think they will do this. But the, what the Sixers did against the Celtics that I, that I thought was effective, and it always isn't effective for a time, but I think like normalizes, is they pretty much just played them straight up. And they were saying, like, Ben or Josh or Matisse, like, get around the screen and then make Kemba or Marcus Smart or whoever, like, hit a reasonably tough shot in, like, an uncomfortable position that, uh, off the dribble. And for a while, that was they were just hitting all those shots. Um, but they weren't, like, helping off of guys on the wing. And so the Celtics weren't getting a ton of just, like, open looks off of, like, a kickout type thing. Um, Horford started stepping up and... And not dropping, like you said, but they can kind of play the the MB defense with Pell because he's so quick off the ground and so long, and so it they eventually like the Celtics were like what five of their first six from three, and then only only ended up fourteen of thirty six. So that's I mean they it, it totally went away, um, and I think that it was just a lot of like you see guys you know so they they've I think centered their whole defense around the way they played Kawhi in the Raptors series. And they're just like, we're going to focus in on this one guy, and we're not going to let anybody else beat us uh, off, like, easy kickouts uh, for the most part. And I think the same way they play Giannis, and it's kind of the same way they play everybody with, like, a a ball-dominant scorer. And so forcing them to become, like, isolation one-on-one players, not moving the ball as well, which is what, like, Boston's known for, it, it looks ugly at times because sometimes it's like, well, this guy's just walking into a 12-footer with nobody even within earshot. Um, 
but eventually it gets tighter and, and, and guys start missing those shots. We take a break from the pod with that shitbag, Andrew Sharp, to talk about our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Mike, I found a new thing on DraftKings Sportsbook that I really like. What's that? Uh, so I had always heard of in-game betting, but I had never done it before. So I made my customary bet tonight uh, that Ben Simmons would make a three. It was uh, plus 1,000. I did not make it. But in the middle of the second, you can bet games. Like they have lines and odds as the game is going on, like that changes. So you can bet it in the middle of the game. So when the Sixers were down in the second, it felt like a win to me, even though they were down. And it, their it odds. Did. You, you, you nailed it. Yeah, I, I have a good sense of those this year for some reason. And um, I, the Sixers were plus 180, which is like they're an underdog. Did you get um, it? Yeah, I bet it. So I bet oh. 20 bucks at plus 180. Yeah, so I won 56 bucks. I was pretty excited. Oh. So I lost the Ben Simmons one, but I won that one. Um, the playoffs in football are finally here. There's only a few more games before the champion is crowned. I'm the champion tonight, but there will be a football champion. Don't get caught saying wait till next year like 24 other teams. Get into the action this weekend with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So much going on this week. They have great promotions running every day from odds boosts to uh, free bets. DraftKings has it all. I check the odds boosts every day. They'll take like a normal bet and they'll double the odds on it so it's even even better bet. Uh, like they did with that TJ bet that we, that we all lost on. But they're good bets. Uh, and DraftKings Sportsbook is safe and secure. I don't ever feel nervous putting my money in there. You can deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. So it is no wonder that DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated top sportsbook app. To top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer right now. Do not miss it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code RTRS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook going all out with a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Don't forget that, card, that code is RTRS and you get your sign you get your sign up bonus up to $1000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Also, I I contacted our uh, our contact at DraftKings, uh, Ethan, and made sure that the Ben Simmons 3 bet is available every game so I can bet it. It was only there like half the game, so it's there every game now. If you do the so. math of him if he takes one 3 every 10 days, 10 games. Well, but it's make a 3. Right. Oh, it's make a yeah. 3, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it might not be work out in your favor. Yeah, they, they played, what, 40 games. He's only shot two. So um, must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, uh, which I suppose I could be developing. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back to the Ricky. Sharp. Sharp, let me ask you this, because you are a neutral party. Uh-huh. I, there, there are a few Celtics players that I actually like. I like Marcus Smart. I like Jalen Brown. I watch Jason Tatum, and admittedly, I don't watch a lot of Celtics games that are against the Sixers, but I watch him, and he just does not seem that good to me. Like, I, I, I don't know what is that good about him. He, he has gotten stronger, and it does seem like he's, um, I don't know, uh, takes fewer 19-footers that, that just end up being maybe bad three-pointers, but I can't figure out what is supposed to be so good about him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of right there with you because I, 
honestly, like during the game, I texted a buddy who's a Wizards fan and said, Jason Tatum sucks. Imagine if he were on the Wizards and we had to spend 10 years pretending this guy is great, but deep down knowing the truth. And like, I feel like that's sort of where Celtics fans have been. By the way, that exact same text message could also apply to Ben Simmons, but we can get to that. Oh, later on. come on. Get <laughs> oh, Jesus Just Christ. Just like know where you are, okay? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is what we did. We invited him on the podcast. It was my, I take the blame. It and I think, honestly, well, no, but I let it happen because fucking Kevin O'Connor has been just being the, the ultimate heel. And so I was like, well, maybe Sharp's not that bad, actually. Maybe Sharp's <laughs> a nice guy. I have fond memories living with him. What a sweet guy. He was we have some we have some bond and uh and i thought you know what it's gonna be fine and here comes this fucking wizards it's fan trying to like l- leech off of, of process type style like excitement paying charging people for a fucking podcast which we do 85 <laughs> a week and get people giving people spike gives people mead for free which i don't even know if that ad has aired yet in the yeah. time of the podcast no it hasn't but you'll find out soon in the podcast about what mike's talking about and and he's got like you know he's obviously shit on jason tatum all you want but like Rui hachimura is just like even <laughs> the jason tatum if jason tatum didn't make the shots hold on he, hold on hold on i should have clarified the wizards are not really running the process because they only have one pick to look forward to and this is the shittiest draft in like 15 years. So I'm not where you were in 2013 or 2014 or whatever year that was, because like I'm just watching them get blown out. And I'm like, well, maybe there will be hope in 2025, but like we're not there yet. And it, it won't get any better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But on the Tatum question, my sense is that maybe I'm just not seeing any of the right games because basically every game I watch Tatum play, I come away not really understanding why people think that that guy can be like a top five, top 10 player in his prime. I just don't get it. I I, like, so yeah, I'm with you on that front. I I sort of almost feel like his ceiling is like Tobias Harris. Yeah. I like agree. an athletic Tobias Harris. Yeah, and not that like athletic. Prime Rudy Gay had like a couple years where he put yeah. up 23 a game or something like that. But like that's the zone that we should be projecting for Tatum. And I feel like certain people watch him on, on, on a good night where, where he has like 30 and start putting him in like the future KD category. And it's just baffling to me. It's insane. And this is honestly what my – and I hate to go we were right on everybody, but – this is what my pre-draft evaluation of him was. I didn't like him at all. I thought he was just Jabari Parker. He is a better defensive player than I gave him credit for. He shot better as a rookie, and that's normalized over the past couple years. He's a slightly better ball handler, but like, he's got a worse hairline than anybody would have expected. Like anything, <laughs> all of it's he's just fine. He's just well, going to be fucking very average, taking twenty-two shots a game for the rest of his career. Okay, and now to sound like a nerdy basketball writer for a second, because. If he is Rudy Gay, who plays defense and takes smarter shots than Rudy Gay did in his prime, like that's still a really solid player. And he could be like kind of a Chris Middleton type player who helps you on defense, spaces the floor. I and think can't that, dunk. Well, <laughs> the issue is that I think for this Celtics team to really work, he needs to be the best player and it can't be Kemba and he can't be the best player every single night for them. And, uh, so it'll be interesting to see like how how this actually nets out for Boston. I uh, did have one. I have a Sixers question for you guys. Watch okay. it. Okay. Oh boy. 
So where are you at with Josh Richardson at this point? Because when he plays really well, the team makes 10 times more sense and everything looks like it's going to work. And yet there are a lot of nights where he just doesn't really have it. And so like, what has that been like? Uh, well, I will say when he plays really well, I agree with you because all of a sudden he looks like a, a shooter and a pick and roll ball handler. Uh, but that's just not who he is. I, I think you'll get that on some nights and you won't get that on other nights. Um, I think the problem with him is that in the starting lineup, he is the best person to do that. And he's, he's not good enough at it to be your best person to do it. And, and it puts sort of an undue amount of pressure on him. Yeah. I, you know, like they started running the, the Ben Simmons screen and rolls with him as the screener and they do it with Richardson. They did it a little bit with Trey Burke too, but it's mostly Richardson. And he's like, the one thing he reminds me of, um, and I love Jay Rich. I would say that I, I said on the pod, he's my favorite player on the team, non-Embiid player. But the one thing that he reminds me of with uh, Butler is that Butler, like the problem with Butler as a player is that he he's not really a that good a passer out of pick and roll. He just likes running it. Um, but he do, it's not like he has great vision or anything really ever comes of it. And I think that is the for me the problem with Richardson being the best of those guys is that he doesn't have particularly great vision um, and he's not that great a passer. But he brings it on defense every night and he's a good dude and he's hot and cold whatever those are the guys that I like so I I think he's a really good player I just don't think he can be the best player at what he's the best player at on the Sixers yeah I'd agree in the sense of like him being sort of faintly a three-level scorer like is there and I think the the most likely three-level scorer on the team like if somebody goes too far behind the screen then he can hit a three and what I really like tonight was when he beat, who was it? Was it? I think it was Marcus Smart off the, off the catch and just blew by him and finished with a dunk. Whereas like Tobias isn't quick enough to really have that much burst from as far out as he as he gets the ball. Um, neither Tobias nor Josh are like excellent passers, so that's something they just have to sort of deal with. They they both kind of get tunnel vision at times. Like there's there were times even tonight when Josh played well, got to the line ten times, which is great. Um, but there were times when guys were open that he just didn't see or didn't choose to see and he's he, he once he gets into that rhythm he has like you know a poor man's Chris Paul style mid-range of just like kind of fading away and having enough space to do he's obviously bigger and obviously isn't as good doing it but like that kind of like comfortable settling in rhythm jumper type thing whereas Tobias has a different way of doing it but kind of a similar result um but I'm, I'm I'm genuinely happy with with both guys it's like I think you can go down the roster and this is kind of, I guess, just who I am. Like, I can see a lot of positives in it. every single guy, right? I can be excited about <laughs> we know. Ev- everybody across the board, right? But it's, it's, I think, like, putting it together and having them blend. Before the game tonight, I was, or at least in the first quarter, I was watching it and just being like, I just don't know if they're, if they have the, like, capabilities of, of executing, like, a fluid offense. Like, when Josh has the ball, it's like, okay, it's Josh's ball, and he's going to do stuff. When Tobias has the ball, it's like, okay, this is where we're at, and we're settling there. Okay, it's Horford in the post. Okay, Mike Scott has a little guy on him. He's going to go there. There's very rarely, like, fluidity in the half court. And even in transition, Ben grabs and goes, but so often he's grabbing and go to then just turn around and, like, pass to somebody, and a lot of teams just anticipate that. 
and he's gotten over the last couple of weeks like a ton of passes picked off just just being like hey I'm jumping and with no place to go with it um, so I think this team still has a lot of area to especially without Embiid a lot of area to like improve in the in the half court especially of of, of looking like a fluid offense or yeah. maybe they just never get there and, and they're just like a clunky like beat the shit out of you team all season long and the offense comes when it comes and it's going to be Embiid when he gets back like at the elbow or or on the wing just like jab stepping and doing his thing and, and enough guys are capable after kickouts to threes where they look okay but it's it, to me it's I don't look at anybody in the East and say I'm scared of them. I'm scared of us. Like I'm scared of the Sixers, not not looking <laughs> like a human team. I, I I noticed the same thing with Simmons tonight because he is really good in transition. Like that's objectively true, but he only really has like one play in his playbook where mm-hmm. which is just like put your head down, run like 90 miles an hour at the rim, and either get a layup or kick it out to a shooter. And he does that every single time he gets the ball in transition. Yeah. It's kind of entertaining to watch. Uh, well, the thing but, he was doing tonight in the past couple of games is deciding to go at the rim right. and like sort of snaking through guys. The frustrating thing, as we talked about, is that he just refuses to dunk when anybody's around. Do you get that impression yeah. when you're watching him, Sharp? I know obviously we watch him the most, but like, does that convey to you? And he's like, why isn't he just dunking? He's 6'10 and, and hugely athletic. I get the sense that he likes layups. I hadn't thought about it as like a, a no dunking policy from him. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely noticed that he, again, just goes to that same layup every time or like the little floater or the hook. Like, uh, So I hadn't thought about him just never dunking. I can't think of that many Ben Simmons dunks off the top of my head. Well, there's that's... there's simply none over people. He's never dunked through somebody. Yeah. Occasionally, yeah. somebody's like behind him and he'll and he'll take a whole gear towards the basket. But usually, it's a layup, and he just doesn't have great touch inside when he's going that fast. It's so many layups rim out. The thing that has been looking good are his baby hooks, especially tonight. They looked really good. He's getting to his angles and and like kissing it off the glass. Yeah, he did have a half floater thing tonight too. Yeah, and he he doesn't have a floater, but he no. had like a little push shot in the lane. Um, he would be so yeah, good he, with a floater. Like everybody harps on the three pointers, and I like I kind of get where they're coming from because of the way the rest of the team is constructed. But like if I were giving Ben Simmons a shot, I would give him a floater and a little pull up foul line jumper, and he would be like one of the five or six most unstoppable players in the league. I would give him a th- corner three or a top of the yeah. any three, yeah. and I would give him just allow yourself to dunk. Decide that you are going to be a person who dunks all the time. And I think that that would totally unlock a different level in him because there's so many points he's just leaving on the table. Well, the, and the, the free throw shooting too. Like he should get to the line 10 times a game, and if he can sure. hit 70% of them, like that again takes him to another tier of player, and he just hasn't well, improved. By the way, even 58% of them – is shooting 58%. You know, like, it, he makes 58% of his free throws. That's like shooting 58%. It's, you know, I, I don't, I want him to shoot 70%. I think it's a much better weapon if he does. But he avoids it at 58% like he shoots 35%. He doesn't shoot 35%, right? He should attack the rim. Yeah, I think Giannis is only shooting 63% this year or something like that. It's so, He's having a, it's so weird talking a weird about off here. It's so weird talking about Ben. Because yeah. no matter what, no matter who you're talking to about him, or in what way you always focus on the things he's not good at at first. It's just so easy because he's such a specific player that we've just never seen that kind of player before. He, his holes are so glaring. We've talked about this before. Like, 
but he's so good. Like he's unbelievably good. Like the things he does on the court are things that nobody else in the league can do. The the play where it was uh, I forget what it was off of, but like a shitty play, and then the Celtics uh, take the ball the other end and throw an outlet to Jason Tatum, and Simmons like tips the ball to himself, grabs it before it goes out of bounds, and then goes 90 miles an hour down the lane and finds somebody. And it was like just the level of athleticism and dexterity he has on that. And then the easy stuff, it's like just you're totally left with unsatisfied. And so I, I, I it is tough. I, I don't want to be the guy that only said, like, because everybody does this, where you're just like, the, here's the list of things he can't do and why he's not good. But he's such a special player in so many different ways. And I... I, I'm I'm baffled about it. Like I AU wrote a nice article about Simmons and becoming a Simmons guy today and and I think you just have to kind of throw your hands up and being like, Yeah, this is who the these are the things you can't do and like, okay, I'm not gonna try to like figure it out. I'm not gonna open a like psychology book and try to learn what goes into the things that he's not good at that we that he decides he doesn't want to do. I don't know. But end of the day, like look at the like what's the bottom line and it's like he does Way more things well than he does poorly. This team, as much as Andrew Sharp wants, and Kevin O'Connor, and whoever the fuck, wants to say how much Brandon Ingram is better than, oh, is inexplicable. In, inexplicably. Is paying off big time. Not even years. close to true. Brandon Ingram was losing every I game until fucking so Derek Favors' corpse no, comes no. in and has to, like, carry the Pelicans. Are you kidding me? I dealt with so much hate from you guys and your little minions. Deservedly so. Like 36 this is hate. Months. This is still hate coming. This is what it is right now. You're here to <laughs> no, accept your it's hate. It's fine. And I'm not ready to declare myself a winner. I think right now, Ben Simmons is still marginally better than Brandon Ingram. But if you asked anyone well not anyone because you and your army would still choose Simmons somehow but who is going to be better in 2024 and who would you take if you were starting a team right now I think it's now officially a toss-up it's not it's not even even that question especially if you you I could see yourself someone make an argument like okay the Sixers would be better if you had somebody who could shoot off the catch and get to the rim a little bit more uh, in the half court, all three levels defend absolutely. He can't. I mean, he can't defend as well, Simmons. It's not even close. He, no, he can't yet. And and I think maybe he'll get there. Maybe not. He won't. Simmons. Here's my issue. I hear you when you say he's good at all these different things, and we focus on his negatives. Everybody focuses on his negatives. It's unfair, and we're we're not appreciating all the great things he does. That's a, a perfectly fine argument to make. But I think it, it rings a little hollow because the Sixers have spent the past couple years kind of like building their roster around him as if he's a superstar. And they haven't gone out and gotten another ball handler because he wants to be the point guard. They ha- and they're basically like trying to make this work, assuming that Ben Simmons is the guy and Ben Simmons is going to be a top 15 player and a perennial all-NBA guy for the next couple or for the next decade, basically. And so... Once they do that, then it is fair to say, like, all right, well, like, you can't shoot. Can you at least get to the line? You can't get to the line. Well, can you play power forward? Because that's a role that you can definitely excel in. Oh, no, you don't want to do that. And so, like, that's where it becomes kind of puzzling. Like, what's what's the plan here? I, I well, would just – you want to go, Spike? Go well, yeah, let me just say, that is the point. I, I think this comes down to one thing. If they had drafted him and he hadn't, and you know, people have argued with me about whose choice it is to make him a point guard. 
it, he wanted to be point guard. Yeah. He said it. I, I said this his rookie year, and I bring it up all the time. The first time they started um, that, like, they announced J.J. Redick. They started, what's his name, Jared Bayless, J.J. Redick, and Simmons. And they announced J.J. Redick as a forward. So it's like no, it's he— No, I sat at Sixers Media Day like three or four years ago. It was yeah, the arguing with him. Ben Simmons was going was gonna to play. And I, I asked him, like, so, all right, so you're a point guard, but you're going to be kind of a hybrid. And he was like, no, I'm a point guard. And I was like, okay, but not, you're not, like, a traditional point guard. He was like, no, I'm a point guard like Kyrie Irving is a point guard. And I, I like, he could sense that I didn't buy it. And so it, was, it got a little tense for, like, 10 seconds. And, uh, and, but even that, like, he wants to be a point guard, capital P, and, like, that's that hasn't worked so far. I think objectively so, everyone can say that that's not the optimal way to use Ben Simmons. We take a break from the Ricky to talk about our sponsor, the Colony Meadery, the uh, the place of perfected mead, the gluten free booze, sort of like a cider wine, as you described, made from honey uh, in millions of different flavors. Mike, I have a I have a Colony Meadery story. Oh yeah. So I'm at work. Yeah, it's like five thirty, and somebody tweets me. I forget her name. And she was like, where in the city can I get Colony Meadery? And I said, to take out or to drink in there? And she said, to take out. And I was like, well, go to Beer Love or you can go to Wegmans. I don't know if there's a Wegmans in the city um, or, uh, or Foodery. And I said, actually, I have a four pack of the pumpkin spice in my office and I'm about to leave work. Do you want it? And she said, that'll work. So I waited for her to drive to 4th and Market, walked down from the ninth floor at our 400 Market building, and handed her a, uh, a four-pack of the pumpkin spice meat. Wow. Man of the people. What kind of, like, service is that? She said she has a friend that has celiac, uh, and she's always telling her about this because the friend doesn't want to drink cider all the time, and this is a great option. All different flavors from raspberry blossom to, uh, to an Arnold Palmer mead to a grapefruit mead, all different flavors. I, I urge you to try it. It's great. If you're looking for a gluten-free option or if you're just looking for something different, Colony Meadery is, um, is what you got to get. Uh, go to any Wegmans in Eastern PA or those places were mentioned, I mentioned or just go to colonymeadery.com. That is colonymeadery.com and use code Ricky for $5 off. Must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. Back to the Ricky. I, I disagree so, in the sense yeah. that, like, I, who gives a shit about label? Like, call him a point guard, call him no, a fucking, like, that, call him a fucking that's not true. magician. I don't give a shit. Like, you can but also that, put someone else on the floor who can do those things so that you have the option of going to that and, sw and sw swinging the ball to the other side, then going, okay, pick and roll with fucking a better player than Trey Burke that can do those kinds of things and whoever else is there, and you just rotate from there. He's certainly Mike, a hybrid. If, we if can they know had that gone and signed, Mike, if they had gone and signed Malcolm Brogdon, he would have, the first call would have been to Rich Paul. That's like, what I wonder I, about, politically. Like, Maybe, I, yeah. I just, I, I, this, that, and that's, I, I, I truly believe if he had come into the league, like, Dude, a year ago, NBA Twitter basketball dorks were pissing themselves over MKG and how good he was, and he wasn't even good. So if if, what? if Ben Simmons— What? did that happen? The people were—MKG was like a, a small ball five. Like, he had, he had fucking two weeks where he was a small ball five, and everybody was like, well, this is the new version of MKG, and he's going to be good. Uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is 
if he had come into the league as the person that we see him as, not the person he wanted to be, but the person we see him as, people would be fawning all over themselves to talk about how good he was. Like, it would be article, it wouldn't just be like Ben Dietrich's weird fucking bizarro corner of the internet um, doing it. It would be everybody. And, and the problem is, is that the point guard thing has made his flaws so visible. Yeah, and I also believe what they've done is, is they've made the shooting such a big issue that it's almost impossible for him as a person to tackle it now. And if he wasn't that, if he just didn't shoot threes, like nobody asks why Clint Capella doesn't shoot threes, or I guess Andre Drummond shoots them and Daniel Tice shoots them, but, but it, it would be less of a thing and more of like, I think it would be a little more charming and a little more, dude, you're fucking everything up. And, 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 and because he's a point guard and because we watch you know, point guard after point guard from Chris Paul to Kemba Walker, and, and you say labels, that's fine. Let's take away the position labels. Let's just talk about uh, skills. And, well, and he doesn't have the skills to be the primary ball that's, handler. That's it's just, the issue. Labels don't matter if you then have someone else who can create offense right. off the dribble at the end of games. Yeah, they don't it's have situational. Right and, yeah. well, they do do that with Tobias or Josh. And it's just there's a lot of just – there's a lot of different I, – I still believe in the starting five, like, in a, in a vacuum. I think that the skills will just be too much to for other teams – to handle, I think they'll they'll just overwhelm teams. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be a beautiful offense. But I think that they're just like there's enough there to get by. There's enough shooting. There's enough basketball IQ. There's enough just like offensive rebounding to make things work. It's it's honestly pretty crazy to watch as someone who isn't invested in the Sixers because the team does not look like cohesive in a basketball context, but it also just doesn't look like they like each other that much on a lot of nights. Uh, this is, this is no, agenda. No, no. This is no, agenda. It, happening it's right not now. agenda. It's not, it's not all. I'm just, all I'm saying is that there are a lot of red flags with this team. And yet, like, I can't imagine them not overwhelming most of these other Eastern conference teams in a playoff series. And so maybe none of it matters. Like I, I hear that argument and can't totally dismiss it. Well, so here's the thing. I, 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 I disagree. Going back to the anger thing, I disagree with the sense of, like, if you were starting a franchise, fresh slate, first pick between those guys, yeah. I think Simmons is so easily the call. It's so I, easily the call, here's Simmons. The thing. I think Simmons is still probably the call for most people right now because he's still young enough that you're able to talk yourself into him becoming – something that he hasn't been over the last four seasons. I just, dis- even that not, not that there's true. three years from now, that may not be true. And Brandon Ingram will be more consistent and will be scoring 25 to 30 a night Ugh. at six ten, and can get any shot he wants on the floor. Like Brandon Ingram is saying, also Jason if, Tatum. He okay, is also no, Jabari Parker. They're all not. the same guy. And Brandon, you can find a million of those guys anywhere. Brandon there's so Ingram many of them already so much better off the dribble. And as a creator than Jason, Tatum is it's it's not even fair and I because think he's allowed to be at this point I'm not defending Jason Tatum I don't think he's good Tatum either but he's he's on a team where the Pelicans to. are like do whatever go do whatever and when Zion gets there then it's going to be like hey why is Jason why is Brandon Ingram taking like contested 18 footers that fucking sucks here's the deal though if if Ingram gets 10 to 15 percent better than he is right now 
that he's going to be a really good player. And Ben Simmons, if he gets 10 to 50% better, then, like, sure, he will be a, a, a really good player. I just, knowing what I know about those guys, like, Ingram has gotten better every season he's been in the NBA. Ben Simmons hasn't really. And so that should be factored into the way you kind of value them and the way you project them going forward. I don't want to marry myself to this Ingram Simmons team. You, oh, you have, dude. You have so yeah, much. Yeah, it's yours. It's, it's whatever, yours, man. I, look, Ingram's a really good player. Uh, look, as, as somebody who has watched Brandon Ingram less than 10 times, he's been on shitty teams. And, and like last year, he was on a team with LeBron. But you know what LeBron does with every player he plays with. You become a, a spot-up shooter. So... <laughs> excuse me, if Brandon Ingram was playing with Joel Embiid, we would see, like, he would probably be better, you know? And and he probably wouldn't score 25 points a game like he's doing right now, but he'd probably be better. When that New Orleans franchise, if he stays there, becomes f- a functional team and a good team, we'll get to see how actually good Brandon Ingram is. Because I do agree with Mike that that scoring 25 points a game on a team that loses twice as much as it wins right. is just like... Who fucking cares? The, the list of guys who have done that in the last, you know, 30 years is very long. But including, you know, Michael Carter-Williams, like, was fucking tearing it up for us. But the other thing I will say is that it is, um, it is notable, the thing that you said about him getting better. And it is notable to think, like, well, on this particular team, would Brandon Ingram be better but the problem is i don't know because i've never seen brandon ingram on a good functional <laughs> team and i have seen ben simmons on a good functional team yeah well and and simmons is like really solid now and and gives the sixers a higher floor it's just a question of whether you're willing to bet on him actually taking that leap and i think a lot of people just assumed it was a foregone conclusion and it's less of a foregone conclusion now but again like the context conversation comes into play with him too and and we should talk about that as well because like the fit like i said earlier simmons doesn't need to take threes to be great but on this team he probably does and that's a that comes back to whether like he and Embiid actually fit together long term which is i'm sure a loaded question but i'm honestly curious for like where your guys heads are at on that one well, I think this I then this is the deal. So like I disagreed with the sense that like the Sixers have tried to build this team around Ben Simmons. I think they've tried to sort of straddle the fence like you have to do against with real good teams of like we can build a team around Ben Simmons and then when he's on the bench we can build a team around Embiid. And so you uh, see it in honestly, the Honestly, it it doesn't seem like they've built the team around either of them because right. I would just get guys that shoot with both of them and they haven't done that. So I mean, the, yeah. but they're a good, they're a decent shooting team. They're not, they've, they've prioritized defense for sure in terms of getting guys who won't get victimized by switches or whatever on, on the defensive end in the playoffs. Um, but like how much has Simmons had to play with a big man who can't shoot? Who, if Simmons was the only guy on the court who can't shoot and he just gets to do like Draymond and war in golden state, like picking guys off and, there's a ton of movement and all that stuff, yeah. then then great. I think I think Simmons is that that team around Simmons. I, I would like to see that. it's an interesting team. I think because of salary cap constraints and the way that it is with Embiid, I think this team has higher upside. But that that offense would be very fun to see, and that's why if you're talking about like starting a team, Simmons is obviously the pick because you can easily surround him with guys who's like a 
give me a, a Miles Turner with Simmons, and then, and it's like, okay, that's a stretch five, and then guys that can run around pick and roll. And there's a ton of spacing and all that See, stuff. How much? How often is Simmons having to like operate in like narrow windows here, with like Horford coming over and setting the screen, and Mike Scott's running over to like kind of cut into his space? There's like it's it is a and part part of that a lot of that is is Brett's fault. A lot of that is the the team. Uh, Construction, mm-hmm. there's there's weirdness across the board. The Sixers are a fucking weird team, and I say it every every episode. But <laughs> the I mean, even like, you know, I I on the other hand, I, I'm basically saying like uh, without Embiid now, Horford's going to be that stretch five, pick and pop, pick and roll. Horford gets to play a little bit more tonight. He played great and got yeah. to do a lot of stuff that he doesn't normally get to do. It's nice to see. But when Horford was out, and Horford was not not great on defense for most of the first half, he turned it around in the second half for sure. Horford comes out, Norvell Pell's the center, and just another guy that can't shoot and doesn't stretch the floor. But how, what, a, what a blessing it is to have a guy who just rim runs. Right. Who just like can, just like nice set screens, alley-oop, catch, dunk. Like that, those things are really nice. We haven't had a guy like that since Nerlens, maybe, and he didn't even do it that much because he didn't have a point guard. I mean, like Rashawn a little bit, but he had to play the four because at that point in his career he didn't understand how to, how to be a defensive five. So there's, there's just... Like, there's too many – I think this team has absolutely prioritized guys who can shoot a little bit with to surround Simmons and Embiid with dogs on defense and won't get, won't get hunted on defense. Yeah. Well, but and, with and everything else, they're, they're, they're limited in a lot of other ways. On the Simmons hypothetical, first of all, I really enjoyed watching uh, Norval Pell tonight. I don't know. That was the first extended Pell action of my entire life. Yeah. Um, He's fucking awesome. He was actually awesome. Um, yeah. So I hope they find a way to keep him. I think somebody tweeted that he was on a two-way or something. But Yeah. Um, I think Kylo Quinn is probably just going to get cut in a second yeah. or two. Well, Pell was awesome. And the Simmons thing, everybody always throws that out. Like, just build a team, surround him with shooters. That's pretty hard to do. And, like, Miles Turner for instance, is theoretically a perfect pair. But, like, Miles Turner is that sure. good. And Miles Turner makes $80 million. And yeah. so then, like, I don't know. It's just kind of – it's it's easy to say that. And then even in that context, is Ben Simmons anything better than, like, a JV Giannis? Uh, and I'm not sure he would be any better wow. than that. But it, it is what it is. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that, by the way, the sense of, like, is, is Ben Simmons – a slightly worse version than maybe the best player in the league. Like that's, I don't think that's an insult. Or well, a thing. yeah, uh, but uh, like the, if the Bucks are in first place, is a team built around Ben Simmons? Is that a fifth place team? Like I think he's. But, best well, but that's the thing is that that's why, as much as the Sixers as Embiid and Simmons are odd fits with each other, if you can build a team both around a poor man's Giannis and a fucking even a, a shooting a three shooting fucking Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah. And you can those things can coexist on the floor for 48 minutes a night like whether or not they're they're taking turns doing doing their thing like that's the idea of the Sixers. That's the whole thing hey. that at all times we have a fucking number one option that is almost impossible to stop doing their thing around surrounded by guys who can hang on the defensive end. Like that you right. hear that talked about and it's like that's fucking exciting. It is. I agree completely. But I I am going to interrupt okay. this fucking evening's version of roommates. <laughs> <laughs> because I I I, I want to talk about we haven't talked about Embiid yet. I want to talk about okay, Embiid. Talk Can about we talk Embiid. about the Embiid injury? Do you have one last point to make about this stupid fucking no, no, no. Ben Simmons? I want to go to one more bigger picture question after we talk about Embiid. But talk about Embiid. So 
if you listen to what Joel said after, so his, his finger gets mangled the other night. It was totally disgusting. And of course it's January. So he comes back in the game after an injury January, that baby. he should not come back, back in the game. Has to happen. If, as, as he famously did against uh, Portland and then played against Houston. Yep. Uh, January, uh, or the greatest January of our I'll lives. I'll never take January it away from 20, 2017. Um, so uh, he comes back in and he has very like, his comments after the game sort of, sort of hint at that the finger was hurt before the game and that they had checked it out and he had, they had checked out the ligaments and he was going to, um, he was going to see what they said. So immediately I'm like, He's out for a couple of weeks, at least. Then, as they say he's seeing more specialists, I was trying to dig around today, and my text message was, nobody sees a second specialist when they like when the first specialist says. And that's the truth. Like, so, um, so he is what out with a What if the first specialist tor- was mean? What's that? What if the first specialist was just, like, mean? Just an asshole? <laughs> yeah, just I don't like, know. Not a nice that's, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, a torn radial collateral ligament in his left hand. Uh, he will have surgery tomorrow on Friday. He will be reevaluated in one to two weeks, which is a major difference and seems like they're just lying, so they're not saying two weeks. There's, why would they evaluate him in one week when they, anyway. Um, every piece of evidence, every player that's had this, so Chris Paul had it, Marcus Aldridge had it. I think Aldridge actually played through it. Um, uh, is out like four to six weeks. So my guess is with him, he will try to come back sooner and they will lean toward further away. Um, The first thing I will say is I admire his toughness. I'm sure he didn't do any worse to the finger coming back in, but who the fuck is letting him come back in the game? Did did we all see his finger? Like, I just I, I just can't imagine why it's a good idea to let him come back in the game. But who are they playing? Just me. I, w- I was watching the game, but I can't remember who they were playing. Thunder. Yeah. Okay. And and they had lost and, four straight, and it was it yeah felt like a big game. It was at home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I get it in that context, but it's still so, objectively stupid. I I so I I feel all sorts of different things about it. First of all, I feel bad for him because he continues to injure different parts of his body from his foot to his back, to his knee, to his face, to now his finger. Um, and I know he has been, whether people, whether we're reading body language or too much or not, I know he's been a little more bummed out this year than he has been in previous years. And it sucks to have to rehab from another injury and surgery. Make, we all talk about athletes getting surgery. Like it's no big deal. I, I was put out once to get hip surgery and I was freaking out for like a week beforehand. So I'm sorry that he has to do it. My, so on one hand, I think, well, that's one way to keep him fresh for the playoffs. Yep. But then I think, well, he doesn't really exercise when he's not playing basketball. Uh-huh. And then I think, well, weren't they trying to figure out the fit of this team? Right. And, and isn't that going to be six weeks less of them figuring out how they all fit together and their places? Because there's no doubt at some point during this six weeks, they're going to win like six straight games and everybody's going to wonder if they should trade MB. Sure. And, and then the other thing I, and then I but then I go back to, well, isn't the most important thing I keep saying having home court in or at least getting that 
maybe they can get to the two seed. They're only, you know, two games back to the two seed. I, I've, I've been all over the place with it. Um, and I don't know where to settle. Yeah. I, I, I think you can convince yourself of anything at this point. You can say, like, oh, Horford's been kind of sad. And, like, isn't this a nice thing where he gets to be the guy? And won't the team look stronger when Embiid's off the court in the playoffs because they've had this time to, like, live without him? Um, and isn't it nice that it's a that it's a finger injury and not a foot or a knee or a back that is more taxing? I agree with right. you in the sense, like, man, he's just never not playing basketball has never gotten him into shape. On the flip side, I would say, like, he's talked so much about the, this year openly, candidly about saying, "I want to be healthy for the playoffs. I want to be healthy for the playoffs." And so, part of being healthy for the playoffs is being in shape in the playoffs. So, like, if he doesn't come back until let's say mid to late mid February, fit. yeah. then like, okay, he knows he has a month, month and a half to play himself into shape. So hopefully he's like, all right, I can move without hurting the thing that is hurt. Uh, maybe he just like goes in the pool or fucking whatever it is and does health things to, to work himself into a shape that we've never seen him like that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You never know. This is an odd team, always, and I've, I, in any given conversation, in any given sentence, I can, can go, go from they might not make the playoffs because of how Wait, awful what? they look sometimes into, well, no one can beat them. And that's just the, the world we live in. I think Brett knows it. I think it is a... Uh, quite a conundrum to be a part of it. And sometimes you're excited to like grab this team by the horns and be like, all right, I'm going to ride these fucking dumb idiots all the way to championship. And sometimes you're just like, I'm tired. Can we be normal for once? And I think Brett feels it. And is, and that's the sort of reason for the weird press conferences and stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I, I change with the wind. But before we let sharp te- uh, talk about it, I want to let everyone know that as sharp and I were uh, working on timing earlier, um, and, and I was texting with him. Um, I got a text with Kyle Newbeck's tweet of the announcement of the Embiid injury with eight ha-has wow. from Sharp. <laughs> Look, it was solely linked to my appearance on the on the pod. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm not for sure. Cheering Joel's injury. You're a bad guy. It would have been so. I uh, look a Celtics win tonight, coupled with the Embiid injury, would have been perfect to pair with my first. <laughs> I wouldn't have appeared on the podcast. I was really pissed off that the Celtics fell apart in the second half. Um, but it might even take, just to hear that, even hearing that, the Celtics <laughs> fell apart. Yeah. My take on the Embiid thing. Sixers um, had nothing to do with it. I, I honestly forgot they were even there. Yeah, I, look, I was just there to watch Jason Tatum tonight, and I loved it. Um, but the Embiid thing, my initial reaction was this can really work for them because Embiid should be playing, like, 50 games a regular season anyway if you're trying to win a, a title. But um, the the secondary reaction was, like, I hope he isn't out of shape when he comes back, which is Spike's point. Because um, that's that's always sort of the question is like uh, that's part of why he's been worn down in the playoffs the past couple of years is he sits and then he doesn't really take care of himself. 
So um, hopefully he can address that this year because it would be like Embiid on Christmas was so fucking good. And I want that player to show up in the playoffs at least once with this set of Sixers players, because like we just haven't seen him have like a kick ass run through the playoffs at any point in his in his career. Because he's never been healthy. Yeah, well, and it honestly should affect the way national people talk about the Sixers. I think everybody pencils them in at, like, the top of the league, and and we need to see Embiid do it in May before they can really, like, be a, a, a valid part of that conversation or, sort of, like, a credible part of that conversation. And, uh, and I hope we get a chance to do it. And, like, in that respect, like, this could be kind of a blessing, but that is also, like the ultimate glass half full way to look at it. And I think it speaks to how much people like Embiid that so many people are saying that because I think everybody's kind of rooting for this guy to be awesome. Except but, for you. Well, no, I am. I'm rooting for him to be awesome, but I also think... What was that text, Mike? What did he say? <laughs> it's fair to objectively <laughs> say this guy <laughs> gets hit with like a lot of nagging injuries and hasn't really been in shape for a lot of his career. And that... and. That's part of the equation, too, with Embiid. How, how have you felt about Embiid visibly and honestly saying and talking about and, uh, and performing like he's playing at like 70% because he wants to be healthy for the playoffs? Do you think that's like a, a, a good strategy as far as like, I know the Sixers consider the regular season basically like a, like a, a preseason type uh, event somewhere in between a preseason and the playoffs, which it is, but like, and how much they care about it. And, yeah. but as we've said before, if that game seven in Toronto was in Philly, then that shot doesn't go in and we are in the, in the finals. And could, yeah, could have won a title. Um, it's kind of insane to think about how close we were to that reality. Uh, yeah, the, the Embiid thing is, is tough because I want to believe that that's what's happening, but I also think that, he just looks kind of slower and bulkier than he did a couple years ago, and that's concerning. And he also doesn't look happy. So, like, he may say, I'm, I'm saving myself for the playoffs when the truth is more complicated. And part of it is he's looking around being like, what the hell happened? And where am I? And where's Jimmy Butler? And, what, like, what is, why is this my reality now? And, like that can affect his performance in all kinds of weird ways as, as things unfold from here. So, uh, it, like, it's a little of column A, a little of column B on that one, because I do think he, he is smart to save himself for the playoffs, but I think there's, there's more going on than that. It seems to me just like, and we talk about the Sixers so often, but, like, there, there is two sides of the same coin about every single issue. Like, you can just, you can take something and be like, well, they have this, but it also could be this. Like, the negatives and the positives are, are all so intermixed with this team. And it's just whenever people catch you on a different day or the, the angle you're looking at something that you can be positive or negative about it. I still think, as we saw in the Milwaukee game and as we've seen against good teams this season, as we saw like against three, going 3-0 against Boston, like, when the opponent is really good and they give a shit... This team is really locked in and uh, formidable. And then they lay eggs to whoever the fuck. They're not going to be playing any teams that they don't respect in the playoffs, probably. So. Yeah, I just, I don't think they, 
the, I think the, the, the shot of reality is going to be what it feels like to, to have to give that effort every, every night, night. Yeah. which they, which they don't feel right now. And, and sharp to one of your points about him saving himself and trying to be healthy at the end of the year. I don't doubt that he's trying to do that, but we've said on the pod before, I don't think he knows exactly how to do right. that. You know, like right. I, I think part of him thinks, okay, I just won't try as hard because what's happening is I'm trying hard and I'm wearing my body down. Or you, like, I, I think the problem is since he has never successfully done it, I don't think he knows what the recipe is. Well, and there's so many different people saying so many different things. And he is not naturally, like he is naturally, he is very, very talented. Like he picked up basketball very quick, but he is not a naturally, like he is not Mr. Care About His Body guy. He just isn't. And, and that's part of part yeah. of his charm, honestly. Yeah. But it is kind of incredible <coughs> to me that we came off a playoff run where like he didn't have it. And and athletically he wasn't there and you could say he was sick and he was sick and so that was part of it too. But like he came into the year talking about wanting to win MVP and defensive player of the year. And then people ask him, like, all right, so what did you do to take care of your body this summer? And he's like, I didn't eat anything different. Like, I, I wasn't doing anything different. And it's like, well, wait, what? Like, given the last couple of years, like, why wouldn't you switch it up if you're, if you're supposedly locked in and ready to hit another level? And, it, I, again, I'm not, like, an anti-Joel guy, but that, that is puzzling. And the fact that he isn't criticized more for that speaks to how much everybody loves him. Yeah, I mean, they're all fair questions to ask. There are the, the questions to ask about this team on the surface are very easy. Like, why, is it, why aren't the obvious things happening? And if they're not happening, which they aren't, then how are they still good? It's yeah. an inexplicable <laughs> group of men. Well, honestly, I, uh, during the Rockets game, I think it was a week or two ago, I was watching them play the Rockets, and I thought to myself... You know, like, I actually have to give Hinky some credit because this team has done almost everything wrong for, like, three straight years, and they're still, like, pretty good and will be in the mix at the end of the season. And that's a credit to, like, how the embarrassment of riches that they were starting with, I guess. Um, so in a roundabout way, you guys were right, even though your dreams are kind of slowly crumbling here. Clip but- clip the you were right and add it to the Amos <laughs> mix, yeah. Spike. Um, hey, Sharp, can I ask you, I, you know, as you're, you're saying that, do you think, so you've been, go, you've been secretly going to law school for a few years and you graduated, right? Yep. So you have a, a job at a law firm. Yes. Have you been doing that the whole time because deep down you've known you're just not good at this? <laughs> and I, sh- I should know that because of Hinky, because of my Hinky skepticism. Well, I mean, like, it's just a sort of like time after time, it just seems like it gets proven over and over. And this is like the biggest just sort of <laughs> shining example of it. I, I just wondered if, if you just recognize that, you know, that, that, that is the key to bettering yourself is recognizing your faults. And I just, I wonder if you're like, you know what? I'll become a lawyer. <laughs> and I think I think the fact that you had you needed a safety net uh-huh. from this that you sought it out of like ah uh, I don't fully trust myself to be this good. <laughs> I think tells you all you need to know. It shows that deep down I knew just like Ben Simmons with the free throw line. Oh boy. No, look, okay. Here's the deal. I I went to law school. I was very close to going to law school like right out of school. 
and then had a lot of fun with writing and kept it going. And then when Simmons got fired from Grantland in like 2014 or for, that, that was right around when I was starting to rethink it. And when Bill got fired, I was like, well, if he can get fired, like, I don't know if this is the best industry to be in long-term. And then honestly, one of the things when I got into law school that kept me tethered to sports journalism probably longer than I expected was how much fun we were having on open floor. And so I, I stuck with it for longer than I intended to, but I still ended up at a law firm. I have to take the bar now. There's a, there's a lot in the air, uh, but fuck you guys. I was, I was mostly right about <laughs> Hinky. The whole point was no. that it was, you were wrong. It was never you were as, wrong. And the fact that you're going to take the bar, like you don't even, you know, you're as a non numbers guy, like how would you even put it together? It's, it's yeah. Like sharp. Can I ask you something? I I want you to. How many tests over the next like three years do you think I have to take? <laughs> None. I don't have to take any. I don't take any fucking tests. You do you know? Do you know what my my backup plan is what? for sports radio? It's fucking sports podcast. I there's no backup plan here. I go. I got. I'm fucking confident. No, you know. No I'm not net necessary for Spike. Yeah, I do, hate do anyone with a second career. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you guys before I go here? Uh, because yeah. I, I think we're all now sick of each other, but okay. we are all friends and I am genuinely curious how you feel about the future of the Sixers because oh boy. during some of these losses, it is clear to me as an objective observer who doesn't really give a shit about your stupid basketball team that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't really care for one another. And I don't Di- think disagree. A thing okay. that I will not I let you, stand on my own podcast. I know you don't agree with that. I'm right about it, but it's fine. So whether uh, whether you agree or not, if they do come to July, and it's clear that one needs to go, and I think it. Look, if it's if this doesn't go well in the playoffs, like some major changes are going to be made because this the the ownership group is not going to want to pay 250 million dollars for a, a team that can't get out of the conference finals or whatever. So uh, let's assume that some changes will be made. Who do you trade between Joel and Simmons? Uh, I'll go first. Um, it's it's not a totally easy question, even though no, it's really I think hard. the di- yeah I, I think in the difference in their their rankings in top players right now I think is stark and significant, and I think one has shown that he can be the best player on a championship team and the other has not. That said, the Embiid injury stuff is super real, right? And, um, you know, occasionally you'll be watching sports and you'll see a guy who is 29 and he looks five years older than it. And you wonder if Embiid is going to be that. Um, All that's, maybe I'm picking with my heart instead of my head and maybe I'm going to back back when when you worked with Simmons and he was good um he he would he, he would have said something like like if you're if you're picking between two guys and one of those guys can be that guy and the other one has not proven that he can be that guy you, you would just pick the guy who can like it, it's a more obvious question than I think we're thinking so I would go back and I would say Embiid because when people talk about the trades now I just can't get around like giving away the guy that I think can be that guy. And um, 
and that, that's what I would do. And I, re- recognizing that it's closer than I thought it would be. Um, but I, I think ultimately, if Ben Simmons is always this, I just think you need another best player on a championship team. And that's, that's the hardest thing to find. It's the number one hardest thing to find. So I would say Embiid. Okay. Um, I also, you don't have to answer, but I'm curious whether you would be willing to continue this podcast if they traded Embiid and you had to podcast about Ben Simmons for the next 10 years. Uh, but <laughs> I am well. uh, separately, and, and I want to get to Mike's answer in a second because I'm genuinely curious. I haven't talked to you about this basically at all. Uh, but Spike, what would you want from the Warriors in a potential Ben Simmons trade? Clay Thompson. Yeah. I was thinking about it earlier. I think that if the Warriors really wanted to do it, they would have to give up Clay and not Draymond and D'Angelo Russell or D'Angelo Russell and the, the top three pick they'll have this year. But Yeah, like Dr- Draymond's always already like, yeah, like Draymond's on the way washed. down. Uh, and and I, you know from our conversations that I think D'Angelo Russell actually legit <laughs> is not good. I think he stinks, you know. So um, he would be a nice six man. And I, I know I use that all the time, but I think that's probably what he would be good at. I, I would never. And everyone who listens to this podcast, even though I'll deny it, knows that I'm not like the biggest Ben Simmons guy in the world. But I would laugh at the offer of D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons. So it would take Clay for me. Clay, I would, I would. Do I that. agree with that. And D'Angelo Russell, by the way, has gotten just as better every year as your boy no, fucking don't. Brandon Ingram has gotten. Is is D'Angelo and they're Russell both still 6'10"? Fine. And can can D'Angelo Russell get to the rim? I, there's so many guys who are six ten. Diff- you know what? Troy Murphy's six ten. You want to sign Troy Murphy, Jarp? The difference between Brandon Ingram and D'Angelo Russell is that Brandon Ingram is getting the line like seven or eight times a game at this point, whereas D'Angelo cannot generate any easy offense and everything has to be like a pull-up three. That's a separate conversation. By the way, on Spike's point about sixth men, Donovan Mitchell has been amazing for about a month now, and it's disappointing only in the sense that Spike's Donovan Mitchell trolling was one of my favorite bits from the Ricky over the last couple years, that and the Denver war. Um, Because the Utah fans are so goddamn gullible and fall for it every time. The benefit is Spike doesn't need... Uh, reality to be on his side for him <laughs> to do the, yeah. to continue the bit. Point. Spike yeah, definitely Sharp, hasn't watched a Jazz game in like four years. Well, first of all, if if, some, if the Jazz are not playing anybody good, they, they've beaten in their seven game win streak. They've beaten one team over five hundred. So, so if they're <laughs> toiling in fucking Utah at altitude, and and Donovan <laughs> Mitchell is playing great, nobody knows it's <laughs> happening. Yeah, yeah, so that's true. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, so Mike, yeah. what's your answer on this? I mean, and I don't try to wiggle out of it. No, dude, I refuse to debate the merits of this baseless question. Okay, give me a real answer. It, I, I would need a lot more context over why the playoffs didn't, what didn't work in the playoffs, and what didn't work over the rest of the season. Okay. And I need to talk to the guys and figure it out. This is I'm not typical gonna, I, Malibu fucking <laughs> Mike. It's a bullshit question. Hey, <laughs> hey, you guys have two really good players. You got to trade one of Who them. Don't Go. like each other. Don't make each other better. Both players. They're still like, they're like a plus 26 when they're on the court together. I, they're good together, but I'm saying bo- each player in this equation would be better on his own. 
and that's been obvious. I disagree. I disagree across the board. Would you say that about like Steph and Clay? Hey, they're both shooters, so. Here's the deal. I'm not. They can't both be shooting on the same possession. That's crazy. I'm not saying the Sixers should trade either one of them. I I agree with you that while they're in Philly, they have a title shot, and while they're together in Philly, like, and so you should, should try to keep this going as long as you can. I'm just saying. You read the quotes, look at the body language during some of these losses, and you think back to how intense and exhausting the last couple years have been. It would make sense if they hit a breaking point this spring and one guy or both guys says, we need a change. And that's the only thing that like is currently lingering over the Sixers season, and, uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see like what happens if things don't work out when it really matters. And if that happens, sure. if that if they both say we want to change, we can't make this work. If Brett's still here and he says that everything comes to the situation, then fine. But there's people are breathing so much life into this bullshit because there hasn't been like a Shaq and Kobe style teammate thing in a while, and they're like, hey, here's two enigmatic guys who are not from America. Like, let's fucking make them hate each other. Are you making this a xenophobic thing? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely. That boy, we've, finally, we've gone full mic. Jokic uh, and there we are. Jamal Murray not like each other? Let's call it there. Everybody. Why not? Oh, God. All right. All right. So, Sharp, before you go, I have a, a basketball-related either-or question for you, and then you have to do the jigsaw, oh, and then you can go. okay. So you're basketball-related either or. You've had maybe the most love-hate relationship with a fan base ever in your relationship with our Sixers fans. Okay. Um, so much so that we seem to forget we took a, buses, like five buses, six buses of Sixers fans down to D.C. all wearing fuck Andrew Sharp t-shirts and then went, went to a bar where you came and took pictures with people. It is a very strange relationship. Mm-hmm. You can pick one way for this to end. <laughs> the way that you just mentioned, where it falls apart, they lose in the second round, one of the guys re- requests out, or they win a championship. What would you rather see happen? Oh, boy. It's really tough. Um, because in recent years, my relationship with Sixers fans has become mostly love i really do enjoy all the ricky fans i have interacted with over the last couple years and there's there's warmth on both sides that is frankly a little bit inexplicable given our history um so and i also am genuinely friends with both you and mike and would like to see you be happy and would like to see you win a title however i have to be realistic about how fucking unbearable you people would become if this actually ended in a title and as I tease that scenario out in my head like I just I can't get there I can't uh, yeah so I, I am picking the second round loss and the benefit sharp the benefit of that is that we don't even need a title because we were right. Clearly not. Yeah. Clearly not. Yep. You no, it doesn't time. even matter. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Fucking checking out. We've been acting like we've been acting like we we won a title since Hinky traded Drew Holiday. Yeah. No. Look. So you you guys peaked at retweet Armageddon when you ruined Markel Fultz's entire career. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't disagree right. with that. I don't disagree with okay. that at all. Okay, Jigsaw then. Play. I will play this game. Game play. play.
I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Okay, sure. Okay. Here are your two choices. You have to choose one, or you die, your family dies, everybody dies. Sure. The first option is, for the rest of your life, every day, before you leave the house, you have to put on huge, big, long, fake eyelashes. Um, you can never acknowledge that you're wearing them. Uh, if someone asks you about them, you have to look at them sort of like they're crazy. So every day for the rest of your life, big, huge, fake eyelashes. The other option is... Every day, before you leave the house, before you put your underwear and your pants on, you have to pour a full cup of maple syrup all over your genitals. You cannot clean it off. Um, You just have to put on your underwear over it and your pants over it, and you cannot wash the maple syrup off until that night when you would normally take a shower or the next morning. Do you, can I, let me ask a question. Yeah. Am I like, immune from whatever like bacterial fungus I'm getting from having such a sugary treat Ooh, on my nuts for as long really smart question I would say mostly I would say look you, you're not going to require anything that is going to put you in a um, yeah put you in a hospital or need medicine but like it might get a little grimy some weird there. rashing or maybe some uh, yeah. smells yep. obviously the smell will be better yep. the smell will be pretty good that's a positive <laughs> What was yeah. the first option again? The first option huge. was giant eyelashes. Okay. Yeah, huge fake eyelashes I, every day. I have. And, and you can't acknowledge them. I have pretty big eyelashes. Pretty beautiful ones, honestly. Especially for a man. Very beautiful eyelashes. Okay. So, just want you guys to know that as um, you're thinking about your own choices. <laughs> By the way, one of the highlights of living with Mike was how vain he was and how often he would prance around in his underwear and look at himself in the mirror. That's because I'm a comfortable guy in my skin. <laughs> Man, I could do this podcast yeah, for another three hours. Yeah. yeah, I have a lot yeah. of takes. You, sure you, were, you were shirtless <laughs> eating rotisserie chicken just as much as I was, pal. That's true. French bed pizza. Um, my choice, Spike, uh, assuming that... So we're talking like... 12 hours of maple syrup on my genitals every single day, but only 12 hours. Yeah, like a normal day. Like, when do you, are you a, a night shower or a morning shower? Um, I've become a night shower because it annoys my wife when I shower before work and she's still asleep. Okay, so then whenever you normally shower, that's when you would shower. Okay, well, well, then that, then it becomes like, okay, well, here's the deal. I take the, the maple syrup option because I feel like I could eventually adjust to that reality and wouldn't have to project like an entirely new identity to the outside world. And I could just sort of, I could make it work with with the (coughs) maple syrup situation. Whereas the eyelashes, that then kind of makes me like a leper in (laughs) civilized society. And I don't want to live that reality. Give me the eyelashes. Wow, really? I love it's, it. Because it's the there alternative of being, do you want to be uncomfortable yourself or do you want to be uncomfortable to other people? And I'd much rather have my uh, dry genitals. And, you know, if anyone <laughs> wants to judge me for my nice long eyelashes, then so be it. True. Well, and you're in L.A., you know. There's, there's a, lot, yeah. a, lot of, a lot more kind of weirdness out there. You can make that work. It looks like Al Horford might be doing it anyway. I mean, that guy's got beautiful got eyes. A-plus and- eyelashes. 
Yeah, looks like he's wearing mascara. Um, all right. Well, House, I mean, you're not House. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at my Twitter page, and the who to follow is Tom West, Chris Payne, and House. Um, I don't follow Shout House. Shout out to House. He's the best. Shout out to House. And, and uh, please listen to Greatest of All Talk, and you can go to goat.supportingcast.fm. Probably should have gotten greatestofalltalk.com on that <laughs> one, but <laughs> please subscribe. We're going to have a lot of fun. Is that it? Oh, no. I, I'm sorry. I, I lost you guys. You're there. Okay. Um, Everyone will subscribe or they won't subscribe. By the way, that's why I did it at the pod, top of the podcast. You didn't have to do it there, all fucking desperate and stuff. So, um, all right. Feel free to cut it, whatever. Nah, I'll leave it at uh, uh, Sharp, uh, you are once again banned as of this moment, even though you've been on Should the podcast have been like four the times. entire, multiple times over the course of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we will talk to you Sunday. Is Sunday next pod? Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. Fuck Boston. 3 0. Say the name, say the name, we were right, y'all, we were right.